up everybody welcome to the lowest latest sorry philly blitz pod uh number five we're excited to be back here um i'm gonna answer a few questions but i'm here with my boys pierre and quell how y'all doing today doing good man doing really good brother how about you quell yes sir it's uh, the one and only mark quell for points and almost married man not quite there yet but still doing good <laughs> almost almost but uh, it's been a while since we've uh, been able to record, but it's, of course, always good to be back. Uh, Eagles have been practicing together, which is always exciting. Um, a little bit shorter of a, of a time than other teams do, but um, Sirianni, you know, we know that this is kind of his MO. He's a player's coach, you know, um, but he has, I think, in my opinion, after last year, we know that he's found a good balance, you know, in, you know, working the guys, but also, you know, letting them rest. Jason Kelsey said that if it was if he wasn't playing for Nick Sirianni, he doesn't know if he'd be back this year or even last year. You know, like uh, Andy practices, Doug practices were just markedly harder and just they, they work a lot more. So uh, they give the players a lot more time to recover. But I still think they get a lot of good work in because, I mean, uh, you saw the uh, effect last year uh, with the team. I mean, the Atlanta game, they came up prepared. Uh, they had some growing pains as a team, but nothing to suggest that the team wasn't prepared. Um, coming out of a out of training camp and OTAs and everything, so uh, another continuation of that, but really encouraging things, right? Um, from from everything we've heard about uh, Jalen, uh, I will say the one thing I've read uh, that I'm, I'm sure people are going to talk about is that uh, Jalen and AJ have had a little bit of trouble connecting. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think the first day that uh, or the first session that uh, the media was able to watch. Jalen had no incompletions except the one, the ones he tried to get to AJ. So uh, working on the chemistry there, but Jalen, uh, the Philly Blitz is QB1, seems to be the Eagles QB1 as well. So uh, how are you guys feeling about anything? Uh, have you guys heard anything different? What are you guys, what are you guys feeling? Um, I haven't heard anything different, but I'm just, you know, excited, you know, to see that Jalen's doing well. You know, listening to Sirianni's press conference from, I think it was yesterday, you know, just hearing him talk. You know, I tweeted it out earlier. You know, it's just rejuvenating to hear him talk the game of football. Mm -hmm. Like, even when they asked him about the whole uh, Shane Steichen and him calling plays, how he, you know, hammered it home that, like, the process of calling plays in, in, a, in an in-game situation is not just, you know, here's a set of plays, go from right. here, you call these. You know, there's a whole process to it. So, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just refreshing to hear him speak and, Yeah. Definitely, definitely something like the tweets where I, I mentioned you guys and where it's, it's so refreshing when you can speak ball with guys who actually can speak ball for lack of better term. When you listen to Nick Sirianni speak, I mean, yeah, sometimes it may come off as, all right, get to the point, Nick, but for lack of better terms, the boy he, can he talk. always, yeah, he <laughs> definitely can talk. He definitely can talk, but for lack of a better term, I mean, he always brings some good content. If you just sit back and listen to what he's saying, I mean, 
he clearly loves to talk about the game of football. He loves to go in detail about the game of football, especially when you talk about the receiver position. He started using his hands. and <laughs> But just in general from camp, I mean, as you see, you seem to be spot on, Park. I mean, you hear a whole lot of good about Jalen Hurts, a whole lot of good about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts seems to be on fire. I saw him hit two back-to-back 40-yard strikes down the field. One to Quiz, mm-hmm. one to John Hightower. Good to see John Hightower doing good things. Yeah. Just so you've been hearing, he been lighting it up. And even when you just listen to whether it was Sirianni, Dallas Goddard, and numerous other players and coaching staff who have coming out and spoken about how different Jalen Hurts looks heading into the season. So all this is really, really good to hear. Sorry yeah. to cut you off, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like we've been saying the entire offseason. You know, exactly the guy that's gonna work and gonna you know work to uh, better his deficiencies. So, hey, yeah, hey, 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 that doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't. <laughs> we need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. But there were two things I wanted to mention off of two things Sirianni said. First thing that Sirianni said is that they love Jalen because he's the type of guy that will grow because of his intangibles off the field. He's gonna reach all of his potential. Something we said on here and this confirmed listener. And then second, he also said that like it was clear that Jalen having the same play caller for the second year in a row. That was part of like the first point you talked about is making a world of diff- a world of difference. You know, he knows where the receivers are going to be. He knows where the crossing points are. He knows where the mesh points are. He knows where receivers are going to stay a little bit lag behind. Like he has a feeling of the offense and he can truly take command. And that's something that. He was unable to do before um, because, I mean, it was a new offense. I mean, he was able to take command of it to an extent, but this is a different level, you know, and that's why it's like, oh, the ball's coming out so much crisper. It's because Jalen knows exactly where to go. His timing's on. You know, these are the things that we talked about that Jalen would work on. And, I mean, it's it's showing dividends right now. And uh, Nick said it best, you know, Kosiriani said, like, at the end of the day, like, it's only going to get harder from here. Like this is encouraging, but they just have to keep working. Like Quell Sweatshirt says right now, I know this is a podcast, but it says nobody cares, work harder. So um, that's, that's the attitude of this team. And that's why the, the sky's the limit, honestly. But uh, Definitely, yeah. man. But it's encouraging when you hear, especially like you guys say, how we've been harping on it all off season. Our guests that we've had on the pod have been harping on it all off season. Honestly, everyone on Twitter has been harping on it all offseason. But when you hear players, his teammates especially, coming out and saying more so how Dallas Goddard was saying, how you could see, you could tell that the continuing team means something to him when you watch him this year. How you could tell he's going through his reads quicker, how his release looks quicker. Mm-hmm. Where It's kind of like you're playing with a completely different quarterback type of thing. Absolutely. So, we all know he's our QB1. But we should definitely talk about the controversy happening in front of him. Who's going to be protecting him at the right guard slot? You know, so right now, um, Pierre let the chat know this morning that uh, that Isaac Samalu is uh, is penciled in as a starter. So uh, that's interesting uh, because this is going to be a positional battle in between him, Jack Driscoll, and is it Jack Anderson? Yeah, Jack Anderson. So two Jack, two Jacks and an Isaac. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think a lot of the reason that uh, Isaac might be starting right now is because Lane missed some of uh, OTAs, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. I think they had a uh, Jack at right tackle because he has that uh, 
he has that flexibility as well. But Pierre, you were saying that um, he, you know, he's played uh, Isaac's played tackle before. What do you what, what do you guys kind of think is going to happen? Are we going to try to use Isaac as a swing guy if Jack wins, um, or if Isaac kind of loses the spot and Jack plays well enough, will they release him to get that money back or ask him to take a pay cut? Well, I think it's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to have Isaac Sayamalu or Jack Dr- or Dr- Jack Driscoll. Um, you know, in the past, I think they've used uh, Driscoll as a sw- as the swing tackle, and I've uh, heard that they like him. They like him in that role. But at the same time, you know, uh, as I said, Malu, he's coming off of, what, two straight years where he's dealt with injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in a you know, there's that, yeah, there's that factor to uh, take into um, account. And, you know, Jack Driscoll, you know, in the snaps that he played last year, he played very well, I think. Yeah. He – I can't remember exactly. Let me look it up really quickly. Yeah, he graded out with a seventy point five PFF um, grade, and you know they're as much as as much flack as people give them. You know they're generally good for their offensive line grading. So, um, yeah, totally. I mean, I definitely feel what you guys are saying, and I mean, just taking it, trying to take everything from top to bottom into consideration. Starting with the fact that I mean, there was a point in time last season where many consider as said, Marley was the best. Offensive lineman playing alongside the Eagles offensive line. So, I mean, clearly the talent is there. Now, as Isaac has said this week, moving from left to right isn't as simple as it sounds. It's not your average Madden game when you just could put yeah. the best overalls there. But, I mean, it also sounds like he's been doing well. He's penciled in as a starter. He said he's reached out to Brandon Brooks to get some advice about playing at the position. So, I mean, if everything goes according to plan, that is probably – those are probably the best five people the Eagles can trot out there in terms of a starting unit, a most, the most effective unit, I must say. At the same breath, I mean, we had co- talks with Coach earlier in the offseason where his whole thing was he doesn't necessarily think it's as simple as just moving Isaac back into the lineup, especially when you think of – the selection of Cam Jurgens later on that are taking effect later on this probably if not next year the year after but presumably last year next year, but the way to eat a bit of a zone running scheme to a power scheme when you look at Jordan Mylotta, Landon Dickerson, now Cam Jurgens, who all of them yeah they pretty prominent out in space can move laterally but more so they're bullies up front. They can beat you up. And Isaac said, Malu doesn't necessarily fit the same build as those guys. So, I mean, like I said, in terms of talent, those are probably the best five guys they could try it out there. But, I mean, you kind of want to think big picture in this hall. I mean, as you said, Pierre, I think the team really likes Jack Driscoll as the swing tackle. I think if it was up to them, they would love – Isaac could just fit right in at the right guard position and use Driscoll in the positions that they had previously, but definitely something to watch for the future. Definitely. So then uh, if, uh, if, if, if somebody tells you right now, who's going to be the starter asks you, what do you guys say? I think I'd have to go Driscoll, man. Like just watching him from uh, his rookie year to last year, um, 
you know, I think he's a very powerful offensive lineman. Um, you know, I think the honest NFL account on Twitter, you know, he tweeted, mm-hmm. I can't remember, it was like a couple couple weeks ago. He just tweeted, you know, a bunch of things about how intelligent Driscoll is and um, yeah. how much the Eagles like him. So I think if, if it was up to me, I think it'd be Driscoll. And then, you know, when you add in the fact of I think they it's post June one, so I think they can get what five million if they release him or trade him. Yeah. Um, that's also so, yeah. a factor. Yeah, that's also mm-hmm. a factor to uh consider. So I think it's gonna be Driscoll. I mean, but everything you saying makes a whole lot of sense, Pierre. The only thing that keeps me from leaning in that direction is the Eagles front office coaching staff more so um gosh help me out here what's the offensive line coaching name again stout. Stout. Yes, stout more so stout they love consistency along that level yeah. and basically they like you said before they view J- uh, jack driscoll in a specific light so i mean i mean the eagles are really good just like they are at the backup quarterback position they're really high on building a, a depth field roster where if something goes wrong, we can insert a player at any at any position type thing. And I think the the weight that Driscoll holds by being able to basically being used along the offensive line is second to none for them. I think that personally is what would give say a model the upper hand. That along with the fact that he recently signed that contract extension with that two years ago. So I mean. I think he he would have uh, like I, this isn't me saying that Driscoll couldn't win the job. It's just me saying I believe that's the upper hand currently lies with Sam Marlowe. Yeah, I think I'm honestly just like in the middle of both you guys because I mean you were you're both right. Personally, I think it's going to come down to other positions um, because if it comes down to it, and you know, you know, God forbid an injury or you know they realize that. Something is some somebody is not up to par throughout camp. Like somebody just plays awful or something, and you know they need a little bit more money to try to make a couple more moves. Then maybe this is the type of move that they, they can make. But at the same time, I agree with you as well, Quell, in that you know Stout loves Isaac, you know, and that's that's been uh, known and he's spoken about it at length. Like I mean, Isaac is like his guy, so it's hard to see them releasing him for you know a cap casualty for money. Um, but if Driscoll can come through and like, like you said, Pierre, with his, you know, growth these past couple of years, it's totally viable that he comes in and has an incredible camp and, you know, he can take over that position. So, um, I think it'll depend a lot on, you know, what's going on outside as well as, uh, as well as the, the internal battle itself, um, with those two, but moving on to the other side of the ball, um, you know. This is kind of a place that I might have a uh, um, question of uh, maybe we'll need the money, you know, safety, right? Not every team can be stacked at every position, and we're getting greedy for sure. I mean, we've got we got Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, and Nicobe Dean to reinforce linebackers. We got Jordan Davis up front. You know, Noah Ellis could be a factor. You know, we have all these, you know, this infusion of talent um, at at different at different levels in the defense, but we even got James Bradbury on the other side of uh, of Darius Slay. But our safeties are still uh, Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps, and you know could be big Marcus Epps here. You know we're betting on that. We got um, a lot of information on that coming out soon. Um, <clears throat> but say you know him and Anthony Harris are not you know 
they're they're not they're not world killers. You know, they're not top tier safeties. Is that going to help? Is that going to hurt this Eagles defense, or will this new talent that we've kind of put in on the team and you know all these new guys are they going to help cover up some of the holes that may be left at safety? Yeah. So for me, um, when I look at it, you know, like I said the last time we were on with uh, Coach T, I think that um, I forget the exact phrase I used, but it's essentially a numbers game, you know. Last year, they had to bring a safety down. I think it was um, Anthony Harris. They had to bring a safety down into the box to uh, help deal with the run game. This year, you know, you add in uh, Jordan Davis, uh, Hassan Reddick. You add in linebackers like N'Kobe Dean and Kaiser White, who are going to shoot gaps. They're going to play decisive in the running game. You're going to be able to keep Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps back over um, over the top of the defense. So I think that uh, all the other moves that they've made, I think that's going to – sort of kind of like mitigate the impact of the talent drop off at safety mm-hmm. at the same time you know you we watched marcus ups last year you know he wasn't terrible i don't think yeah yes exactly <laughs> what you just said he was not terrible and i was literally just by the basically getting to the same thing you just said Pierre. i mean you can preach about lack, lack of star power and how i look at it on my end i look at it as a uh, you can't fill up every hole yeah. I mean, it's almost impossible to have a defense that is perfect. And when you look at how defense is being played modernly, I know I speak on this often, but the Vic Vangios, the Brandon Staley's, the how the, the teams want to play defense, it isn't more so about this isn't saying that talent doesn't matter, but this just goes back into the entire conversation that you and I had during the draft part where when you talk about some of these safeties, it's much easier to figure out how to deploy a defensive lineman than it is how to figure out how to successfully deploy a safety. Because there are different, a bunch of different things that you have to do to counteract what the offense is doing. Versus a, a, a dominant defensive lineman, it's you don't really have to game plan much on your end. Just go beat up their big people type of thing. So when you think about how the Eagles want to play the numbers game, I think I, I think of it as a well, I'm not putting my – just think about the Jim Schwartz defense we used to watch often where, I mean, you understand that you have limited talent at the cornerback position in terms of Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills. Yet week after week, we consistently watched him put them guys on islands and they continue to get roasted. Get you turn around and it's, it's been like this with numerous other guys. You could talk about the Russell Douglases of the world or some of the other guys where they leave Philadelphia and they go play in some of these other schemes, schemes where it allowed them to play to their skill set more. So I think Russell Douglas was the perfect one, especially when he was with Carolina, where you, you always almost always have the help over the top. You almost always are playing a numbers game where it allows you to be more aggressive. You basically aren't you aren't as bad as the stats would insinuate, for lack of a better term. It allows you to make yourself look better as well as those around you. So I think having Bradbury and Slade at the cornerback position will make uh, things a whole lot easier on the safeties. I mean, you can then be able to take risks that they probably wouldn't have took last season. Just in general, the, the way the defense is currently structured from front to back, should make things entirely better on the safety, which makes sense why why I kept saying the position wasn't entirely a priority. I know that they would love to get better, but to say it was a priority 
I didn't necessarily see that. Yeah. Um, I agree with you guys, um, you know, in that hopefully it shouldn't be too big of an issue. Uh, you know, they are betting, though. You know, Anthony Harris is getting older. And Marcus Epps, he, last year he was in a rotational role, you know, and he did work his way in and he played a lot. But, you know, it's there's there's there, it's a lot of unknown here. But uh, I, I think, you know, given the other talent that we've, get, uh, you know, added to this defense, I think uh, <clears throat> I think they can make up for it, but it'll always be a fascinating question, you know, um, with the Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton pick, you know, with could we use the safety play right now? But even <clears throat> with uh, with Kyle Hamilton, uh, if he comes into a starting position, then you know, I know we've talked about it on here before, but could Chuck Clark become available? And then in that case, would they be interested in going to get a Chuck Clark? Um, the, the season isn't over, but um, – who knows? You know, uh, there's a lot of different things uh, that that could go on. But that being said, I don't think it's going to end up being like, oh, man, the safety sucked. Like, I think the more likely, uh, you know, outcome is going to be we just don't talk about safety that much, which is a good thing. You know, you don't you don't want to talk about safety that often unless you're getting spectacular play. If you're not talking about it, that's fine. That's spectacular play in itself. You know, there's there's different levels to it. Uh, so. You know, I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as uh, as some might think, but something to keep an eye on for sure. But speaking of front for talent from front to back, how you guys feel about the talent in the front end? We touched on the secondary a little bit and the safety depth or lack of safety depth. How you guys feeling about the depth along the, the, the interior defensive line, the defensive ends? I mean, yeah, of course, as we keep saying, we have the signing of – Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick isn't your purebred edge rusher. He also will yeah. serve as a linebacker role. So, how you guys feeling about what's going on in the defensive end room? Bringing back Derek Barnett. I know that <laughs> probably wasn't a crowd pleaser, but still good to have bodies, especially if he won't be in the starting role like he was in the previous years. Josh Sweat returning, hopefully taking another leap in his development. Yeah, I think. Uh... <laughs> I think it's hard to group D tackle and DN because I feel spectacular about D tackle. Like we have the best group in the NFL and I have no doubts, but defensive end, I feel like it's a different question, but like you mentioned, you know, we did sign Hassan Reddick and he's going to be rushing in different ways. So I think a lot of it is going to be up to scheme. And just because we have such a strong defensive tackle, uh, you know, room, I think there's going to be a lot of, switching along the defensive line but if we're talking just straight defensive ends i don't love it but there's other ways to, to get around those things um Derek barnett i think the way to look at it I, I read this in a in an in an uh, article by zach berman earlier but he just said the best way to look at Derek barnett basically is to see him as ryan kerrigan of last year and that's an upgrade over ryan kerrigan he's a guy who didn't have the best year signs a one-year contract you keep him around it's not it's not the end of the world, you know. He's not like, oh my god, we got Derek Barnett, but it's not, it's not awful, and he's good depth. Brandon Graham coming off of an Achilles injury at his age is is always worrisome, but you know, he's he's a dog, you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be back. So, you know, to to some extent, and he's also just gonna be the locker room guy, which also helps. But on the field, we'll see. Um, Josh Sweat, like you said, Quell, we're hoping betting on his development and i mean he showed it last year so uh there's reason to hope but 
beyond that, it's a it's it's a, it's a lot of untested depth. Like Teron Jackson showed some potential last year, but Matt Leo has has not really played, and when he has, it hasn't been very great, you know. And then we have Derek Barnett, who we know Derek. <laughs> like, so I don't know. Uh, to answer your question shortly, I just think D tackle I feel great about. D end I feel eh, about, but I think we're going to be able to scheme around some things like that. So before you touch on it a little bit here, I just want to uh, ask you right quick, Park. Based on, I know you say you feel more comfortable with the interior defensive line depth than the defensive end depth. Does it make you, I know this is something I said to Pierre and Coach last week when we were talking, so I would like to get your opinion on it. How does it feel? Well, does it change your opinion when you find out that last season, and of course these numbers are surely to change even more, but this is just to give you a glance of last season. Mm-hmm. Last season, the Eagles actually only played base 4-3 defense 15 times. Like 15 times all year long. That's it. Yeah. So that's, that's crazy. Time, that, that's, that's Derek Barnett as your base edge, edge right. coming off. Versus, I mean, I guess it gives you a whole lot of opportunity. Would I guess that goes a little back into the whole where you have Hassan Reddick as your pass rusher, and yeah. then you could deploy some of your defensive line, I mean, your interior defensive line going across before you get. Yeah, I, I think uh, my response to that is, like, the same thing that I kind of said earlier. I think you can scheme around those things. And the kind of defense that we have, there's an emphasis on on blitzing from everywhere and even the secondary, right? Like, you have two safeties for that reason. You can have a guy coming off the edge. Like, we have that – what was it? What's the name of that blitz, Quo? Uh, you know the word simulated pressures. Yeah, simulated pressures. Yeah, but but the one with the with the safeties off the edge. Uh, it was like a I thought there was oh, a specific... fire a fire zone. Yeah, a fire zone. Right. Like I mean, those are the type of those are the type of blitzes that we run in this defense. So you know that doesn't surprise me that I mean it does surprise me that it was only 15 snaps, but the fact that it was so little doesn't surprise me because I think JG likes to play around with these things a lot and. Uh, and that's why, like I mentioned, I think we can scheme around a lot of these things. It's fine that you know, we might not have the greatest DN talent in the world, but edge rusher talent, we improved this offseason. So that's that's how I think you can look at it. And we know, you know, Fletch has played, you know, uh, uh, at, at defensive end for, for, for parts of games and in rotational ways. So, you know, I think we're, we're, we're totally able to make up for it. But if I'm being nitpicky and I'm looking at, oh, man, D, if they have a DE next to their name, you know. That's where I'm like, eh. But we know that's not how modern day defenses are. Yeah, so, so for me, um, much like you outlined, part of um, defensive tackle, I felt great about defensive tackle. You know, you got a Fletcher Cox, uh, but in star like Jordan Davis, Javon Hargrave, Milton Williams. And then when you look at defensive end, it's kind of, to me, I, I view it as a question mark. Because outside of Josh Sweat, you know, you got Brandon Graham. But, you know, like you said, he's coming off of an Achilles injury. At 34 years old, you know, there's a question mark with how he's going to return from that. And then Derek Barnett, all the penalties, among other things. I think it's been – I don't want to call it a lack of production, but the production, how you how you would have wanted it to be from a first-round pick, it hasn't been there. His um, production Teron, doesn't match his problems. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Teron Jackson, who they used him in a, a few different, uh, few different uh, type of ways last year. So – I don't know. It's like I said, it's a question mark. You know, I maybe like to see them, maybe possibly add another um, veteran DN. But then, you know, 
again, like you guys touched on, it comes. It's going to come down to how uh, Jonathan Gannon decides to use his personnel. You know, Hassan Reddick, he's a guy who can play some defensive end. And in this defense, the Sam linebacker role, you know, that's pretty much a hybrid defensive end. So, yeah, it'll it'll come down to how uh, Gannon decides to use them. And sorry um, to, to interrupt, but to that point, in seven-on-sevens, um, the defensive ends have been dropping back. So Derek Barnett has been yeah. practicing dropping into coverage in seven-on-seven. So that's a point to be made, right, that, uh, you know um, – there's a lot of versatility in between those guys, in between those edge rushers, and what they're going to be asked to be doing, uh, be doing this year. So we'll see. Derek Barnett in coverage has not been pretty though. I'm about to say, I mean, you you could practice everything you want. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, we got. He's just so slow. Like that's just the, that's the thing. Like I don't know how he broke Reggie White's sack record, but oh, oh man, you weren't lying, Pierre. Yeah, you you can hear it. Oh yeah, you can hear it. It's about to come down, bro. <laughs> oh man, that's a, that's that's a real rain. Oh man. Okay, so let's let's get through this quickly before uh, before Pierre's power goes out. <laughs> so, um, this is a really great question. So, outside of the top three draft selections, which player has the highest chance to make an impact this year? So, the top three, to be clear, are uh, Jordan, Nakobe, and Cam. Cam and Nakobe. Sorry, but. Uh, you know where my heart lies, um, but that's that's the top three. So you know that's including undrafted guys. Like, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact out of the new rookies that we got? Honestly, and I don't I don't know if this might shock you guys, but uh, I'm going to go Grant Calcaterra. Um, yeah, you know we yes. know thinking yeah. about him. He stole you know, my um, answer. We know how much uh, the Eagles, how much they like to run um, two tight end sets. And, you know, you add in the relationship that he has with uh, Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think um, Mark Schofield, he said it um, when he was on, you know, this is a guy that some people had, like, in, what, the third or fourth round, you know, back mm-hmm. before he had his origin, his uh, concussion issues before he retired. So I think that um, that's going to be a he, – he's going to make an impact. He'll be a solid tight end three behind J. Jaw, Dallas, and then Grant. That's that's the depth chart. Just making it clear. I don't know, man. J. Joe might be in trouble. <laughs> they see J. Joe out there. They like, it's a run. It's a run. <laughs> Listen, bro. Have faith in my man. All right. It's J. Joe breakout season again. Again. We're back. We're back. What's this take number two? <laughs> Listen, man. Let me, let me. Ignorance is bliss. I don't know what happened last year. I'm like a goldfish. Okay. 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 Well, since Pierre has stole my answer and it's forcing me to go in a new direction. I think I, I guess know. I have no choice but to go with my, my one and only original Noah Ellis. I knew I mean, it. That was mine. <laughs> I guess we just stealing people's answers today. Good I know. Yeah. But tell us with, about with, him. With, with Noah Ellis, I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys heard me touch on this throughout the course of the offseason. The abilities to have a guy like Jordan Davis up front, and we just finished talking about the numbers advantage for the Eagles, and then being able to walk Jordan Davis off the field because, of course, we've known about the, the questions of conditioning, him only playing X amount of snaps. Well, you take Jordan Davis off the field, and out comes another Jordan Davis and Noah Ellis. And, I mean, many people, they look at Noah Ellis and they say, well, this is a guy that went to Idaho who was selected in the sixth, seventh round. Okay. It's nice to know. He's also a guy that wanted to play under his dad, who was a defensive line coach at Idaho, 
who also has scholarships from Mississippi State, Alabama, and some of your other favorite schools. So I mean, the, the where he plays, where he played his ball at, isn't really my top priority. It's more so what he can do when he's on the field. And when he's on the field, Noah Ellis is a problem child. Cannot be single blocked. Probably won't be single blocked. I had that, mm-hmm. but just I don't know, man. A big difference between having two guys that can basically help you dominate the numbers then you having one and it basically changes the way you play defense without them on the field yeah agreed man I mean yeah I mean a lot of people were talking about Noah Ellis as as a guy who who who, uh who could have gone a lot higher than uh than he went I mean he's got a lot of size and uh, a lot of talent like you said and you know the where he came from I think it's just like a lot of people are not are ignoring uh are ignoring the the level of play that he that he kept. Um, Scout the so, player, not the helmet. Exactly. I was gonna say unless they're from Georgia, but I can't say that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> so um, for me, I'm gonna give a classic. You know, I can't decide, so I'm gonna give you two. Um, <laughs> oh my! And the Undertaker comes down in Georgia, bro. Damn! That's what happened when you live next to that water, man? That's crazy, bro. That was that was so loud, bro. <laughs> okay, all right. Let me get through this quickly, then. I right. mean, I don't know if it was just me, but it sounded like "Go Birds" to me. Go Birds. <laughs> You're right. Storm is a certified Eagles fan. Fly, you Eagles, hear fly. You hear right? Yeah, I heard it. All right, so my answers. So my answers are Kennedy Brooks or Britton Covey. Covey, Covey, whatever. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to say it. Uh, not whatever. That's not right. But um, for uh, in terms of him, you know, um, he can bring a lot of juice to the return game. It remains to be seen whether he can make like the roster and whether that's enough. But you know, from what a lot of people have seen, he's got like some of the quickness out of the slot that would be useful. And, you know, our return game has really been struggling for a long time. So uh, having a player with uh, with his ability um, at that position uh, could allow him to have an impact, you know, because we haven't had any juice at punt return for a while. I mean, the last touchdown we had was the Rager one, right? Miss you, Sproles. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That was by the grace of God. We missed Super Smurf. Um, But... uh, (laughs) What did Earl Reese, Earl Reese used to call him, what, Mighty Mouse? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Mighty Mouse? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah, okay. And then the last one was uh, was Kennedy Brooks. Uh, just because uh, Jordan Howard's gone, and we don't have that physical presence in the, uh, the running back room anymore. And that has been something that has totally changed the face of the offense. Every time we have a guy out there, who is willing to just get the yards, you know, instead of, uh, instead of dance around a little bit, uh, he's been productive. So if, uh, if, if, if Brooks can prove himself, I mean, the Eagles wanted him, he was a priority free agent. So uh, if he can prove himself and, and earn that position, I think he could, uh, he could see a lot of, uh, a lot of playing time, but that's also, everybody went right. We gave our, yeah. So then that's also a perfect segue to our next question, which is, who's going to be more integral to the offense? 
Yeah, you, you could make Kenny. an argument that that sounds like Kenny G, right? <laughs> that sounds like hey, shout out to the Thunder for coming through on the pod. <laughs> But, what y'all I think? Mean, what y'all think? It's, I think it begs an interesting conversation. I mean, clearly heading into the season, and you would think, just in general, based on the two, that Miles is the certified running back one on this team, one who should be probably a workhorse or the workhorse of the running back by the committee. In the same breath, I mean, when you think about it, Kenny is literally the only running back that's under contract past this season. He, you, I mean, you could see the team wanting to give him a key role last season, at least heading up into the, the stretch of the season where it's like that fumble made him lose every snap that he could possibly get. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was definitely a part of the team's plans. I, I Just all I could do is think about going back to when Nick Sirianni spoke about him last season. And he called them. Naeem Hines from his days with the Colts, basically as the receiving back, the way you do different things with him coming out of the backfield. So, I mean, I do, again, it offers an interesting conversation. I do think it's quite possible. I mean, could we be trending that direction already? You look at the difference in touchdowns. I mean, Kenny had, what, seven touchdowns? The Miles, no touchdowns? I mean, you take into account everything that I just said, I mean, it's, it's plausible that the Eagles could be trying to phase him in, but it'd be something interesting to watch. I'd agree, man. Yeah. And so for me, um, I, I tend to, I think I look at, I tend to look at the other side of it with Miles, um, this being the last year of his rookie deal. I'd like to think they're going to try to get as much squeeze out of the, what's, what's the saying? They're going to try to get as much squeeze out of the lemon. Did I say that right? I think so. I think, yeah. I think they're going to, like I said, they're going to try to get as much squeeze out of the lemon as they can. Um, you know, last year he didn't have any touchdowns. He got hurt. Um, you know, this year I think, you know, and I think he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder this year. You know, he's mm-hmm. heading into the last year of his rookie contract. Last year, you know, he dealt with, you know, the injuries. And then I think there was a point or two throughout the year where, you know, we saw the, his frustrations um, from him not getting the ball as much. Um, and I think he, I think that's going to uh, translate transfer over into this year in terms of, you know, like I said, and playing with a chip on the shoulder. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it's under uh, it for you. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you think Kenny G? But yeah, I don't know. I just think I think uh, Miles is going to be a much more uh, integral into to the offense. No, yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's absolutely fair. Um, I just uh, – I hope Miles can, but I feel like we've been saying the same kind of couple things about Miles, and it's just ball security. And, I mean, that wasn't as much of an issue, but, I mean, ball security and just not just dancing around, just hitting the hole. And when he was able to do that near you know, the end of last year, he was productive. But there were also phases where he just kind of got away from that. And uh, and we'll see how patient the offense uh, – how, how patient the, uh, the, the, the coaching staff is with him because, like you said, it is the last year with him. But if he's not producing, you know, and he's not playing very well, I don't think they're going to hesitate to put in a Kenny G because when they put in a Kenny G, he was able to get those yards. And he might have been a smaller guy, but he hits the hole as soon as he sees it. And they might put in a Kennedy Brooks. So um, I think Miles is just going to have to be a lot more consistent for 
for him to to play an integral role. Jason Huntley. Huh? Let's not forget Jason Huntley. Right, and Jason Huntley. His uh negative yard negative yard carries after uh 2020, right? He had like <laughs> negative 12 yards on the year. It was brutal. I mean, they, they just gave him the ball at the end of games and he was just like running <laughs> running to nowhere. Um but yeah, so I think uh I think I uh, along with Quell and the Thunder will uh will go <laughs> with uh with, with Kenny G for having a uh, a bigger role because like he said, the Naeem Hines role and just uh Kenny's ability to just be a consistent pass catcher out of the backfield is going to be is going to be massive um so kenny g it is <laughs> but anyways this has been a great little pod we uh we actually kept it short for once we didn't turn it into an hour and a half podcast which is massive massive improvement for us but as always a pleasure with you guys uh always have a great time uh very appreciative of everyone who listens be sure to like subscribe unsubscribe subscribe again five stars of course and comment subscribe on your mom's phone your aunt's phone dad's phone you know the drill um but uh but make sure to leave us comments and uh and reach out to us on twitter if you guys got any questions we'd love to do a pod answering questions but uh i'll uh, hand it off to pierre and quell to say bye as well and also uh visit thefoodwitch.com for our written work we got some very um detailed and good stuff coming out so see the thunder you're, you're, i don't know if you guys heard it thunder yeah. agrees Agreed, big time. He said retweet. <laughs> yes, sir. So that's all, folks, from your guys over at the Philly Blitz. Go, Bird. Go, Thunder. Birds. Go, Birds. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>